Welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, where we interview the world's leading CEOs, business executives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and authors. Our mission is to learn the strategies and tactics that have helped our guests succeed in business and life and share those lessons with you so that you can become the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. My name is Chia Dogu, and I'm the co-founder and COO of Adogu Media Group. Dogu Media Group is a podcast marketing and new media agency that helps corporations create and amplify their story via high-quality branded audio content that builds a community of highly engaged fans who are their ideal clients for their premium products and services. And now, without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is Trista Jordan. Trista is a celebrity makeup artist who has worked with thousands of famous celebrities and has contributed her expertise to over 50 feature films, TV shows, national commercials, political campaigns, music videos, and even a police investigation or two. famous uh, music video she's worked with is with Michael Moore and the hit Downtown, which was watched over 144 million times on YouTube. She's worked with NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, and every imaginable production entity that is available out there. Some of her famous celebrity clients have been Vera Farmiga, Jared Leto, Christian Slater, Jessica Biel and Christina Ricci, just to name a few, but there are a whole lot more. Her new book is titled Mirror Mirror Confessions of a Celebrity Makeup Artist, and it tells the interesting and hilarious tale of her life in Hollywood. So I'm pleased to have Trista on the show today to tell us a little bit more about what it means to be a celebrity makeup artist in the crazy world of Hollywood that we all see in the movies. So with that said, Trista, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, Chi. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So uh, welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, I said a lot about you in the intro there, but I want people to know who are you and what's your origin story? How did you wind up in Hollywood? Well, it was all by accident. (laughs) I had two babies and I was a college dropout and just looking for a job. So there was a makeup artist who was looking for a makeup assistant. I knew nothing about makeup. I didn't even wear it myself. But she needed someone to clean her brushes, and I knew that I could do that. And uh, if I could take my daughters to work with me, then I was the gal for the job. So fast forward three years, I never took a class in doing makeup. Really? Not one class. Nope, never. Still to this day, never a class. And uh, I just learned from her and then just learned as I went along. Okay, so basically it was an apprenticeship program, and then from that you just develop your skill set and started working in several different productions and commercials and whatnot. So tell us a little bit more about what it takes, because when we watch movies, we really don't think about what it means for a makeup artist to work on an actor or an actress. So what does a makeup artist do that makes a production so special in a movie? Well, of course, I'm going to say it's the most important job. (laughs) (laughs) We make sure that the actor or actress feels good and confident to get in front of the camera. And as you know, we all have our insecurities and sometimes it's psychological, not just makeup. So we help them feel good enough to get out of the makeup chair or the hair chair and to get in front of the camera. So whatever that is, whatever that entails to their physical or even their emotional being, we help them. 
So it's not necessarily trying to like, okay, make it shine so that, okay, the when the camera is on them and the lights are on them, it's not a contrast or whatever. It's just basically to help them bring out that inner confidence. But you really wouldn't think a Hollywood person that is used to the spotlight, the limelight being in front of the camera has problems with their own confidence. I disagree. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of things that make actors crazy. And one of those parts is the way they look on camera. And so we do a lot to help their insecurities with whether it's their hair or their eyebrow or their lips or whatever it is. We help address that. Now, talking about that in particular, I read through your book and one of the most interesting stories you had there was about, you know, doing some special effects makeup, helping the police with a particular case. So could you talk a little bit about that? And then we'll dive into like, you know what? Yes, you've talked about building their confidence, but doing special effects makeup and stuff like that, you know, creating scars and whatnot and all those visual effects. What does it take to create something like that and make it realistic enough for people to believe something like that? Well, I do some research. So I will look at a burn. If I'm doing a burn, I will look at images of burns and then I will practice that with different materials to make it look realistic and before I even get to the set. So a lot of research and a lot of practice. And I noticed even in your storytelling, in your book, it was a lot of, so when you're basically trying to help an actor or an actress, you know, you do a lot of prep work and pre-production work and research and all that stuff. Now, from the outside looking in, a layperson would think, is all that work really necessary to get the final product where it's supposed to be? Well, I have this saying in my head, fail to plan, plan to fail. So I do a lot of prep work. I want to make sure that I'm prepared to do anything before I even get to the set. I don't want to disappoint anybody and not have or not done my research or have done something or have the right products or makeup to carry through with the image that's required. And what are some of those things that have been challenging. Take, for example, going back to your first few years on the job and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what it means to actually be a very good makeup artist that producers and directors will keep calling you from from set to set. So what were some of those big things that you were like really focused on working on in the early years? I think you hit it when you said the special effects. That was one thing that I learned really early on was how to make a bruise, how to how to do a cut. You know, I just practiced and made sure I had the right materials, but the special effects was a big deal early in my career. Oh, okay. And um, from the special effects, let's talk about building relationships and rapport with the actors and actresses. Because I read through your book that you had some pretty crazy experience, <laughs> experiences. <laughs> I do. So, so dish on us a little bit more. So tell us a little bit about some of the craziest experiences you've, you've experienced while working with um, celebrities on set. You just never know. It's like building a house in a hurricane. And the hurricane is happening and you just you're just trying to reach for things and make things happen so that you can make it and land safely out of the crisis. <laughs> now, is there, is there any particular person that you've worked with that was like, oh, wow, this person was like super, super challenging to work with? Not difficult, but like challenging. Yeah, I think the more the most challenging actresses actresses are the ones, ones that are insecure. So the ones that are insecure and 
I can't do anything about that. I have no control about that. But they have insecurities that I have to address, and they, they're not going to get out of the chair until they feel good enough to get in front of the camera. And then you have the director and the producer, time is money. You got to get them out. You got to get them out. And they don't want to leave, you know, because they just don't feel uh, perfect, in quotes, enough. <laughs> mm, okay. Well, so I can see here you're not going to give us any specific names. <laughs> uh, I need to keep I need to keep I working, Chief. I know you do. <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. So now one big thing that has been going on in the world is you know, we've heard a lot of stories from Hollywood and especially the Me Too movement was actually stimulated from Hollywood and, you know, what the negative things that uh, Harvey Weinstein was doing. And, you know, in that industry, as a woman working in that industry, how did you manage people that were trying to do negative things like, you know, sexual harassment on the job or just making lewd or nasty comments about you and your work ethic and while you're just there trying to hustle and make your bread, somebody is trying to do something to like take the food from your mouth. So how did you handle some of those nasty things that were going on or are they still going on? Uh, They are. Unfortunately, they are. Even in the last movie that I did, uh, I had some actresses that are working on big TV shows and they're telling me, I mean, the prime time, And they're telling me things that are happening today. So we have a long ways to go. Some big efforts have been made and it's great. We still have a lot of work to do. Back in the early day, when I had some things happen that were really uncomfortable, I didn't have the information that we do today. So the way I reacted and the way I handled it for me was I just ignored it. I didn't know what else to do. So that's how I handle the situations. And even today, I'll have someone make a comment or do something and I still freeze. You know, I think that's just in my nature, maybe because of my childhood, where you just were quiet and you didn't say anything and you didn't react. But it's probably built into my character, but I still don't react to it, which is unfortunate. For others, I'd give the advice that, you know, you to reach out. Don't be afraid to say something. If there is something that requires you to call 911, do it. Uh, don't be afraid. Back in my early day, I didn't have the shows like the special, what is it, the crime shows today. So, CSI. You know, know. Yeah, yeah, you know, special victims unit. SVU, uh, okay. Right, SVU. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have those shows. I, I only had what information I reacted to, what information I have. And so, yeah, it's a different world today. So I encourage women to be educated and to know what to do if something happened to you uh, that was uncomfortable. Just have a plan. Okay. And are you makeup artists and all the other crew that work on set like that, that are not like the front of the camera people? Is it that the producer or the production team do not listen when you guys say, hey, somebody did this because they are afraid to piss off the the major star of the show or the production? Is that, is, that, is that really what it boils down to at the end of the day that they're like, oh, they're still trying to just play and cuddle the superstar and not necessarily listen to you guys because you guys have genuine complaints to make against these people? Yeah. If, if it happens, yeah. Yes, recently I did address a situation 
And I very recently, and I was told, we don't want to point fingers. And so, you know, you just learn quickly that you just shouldn't say anything because you just don't want to be the troublemaker. So unfortunately, that is what it is. Mm. But um, in the few years that you've been working in the industry, do you think that it's changed significantly? So since the rise of the Me Too movement and everything that has happened in the in the legal system to try and address powerful people that have used their positions of power to oppress people they work with, has it has it changed significantly or it's still getting towards the process where, you know what, at the end of the day, maybe a couple of years, things will be much, much better, but it's still on par with how it was maybe 10, 20 years ago or so. I think it's changed a little. Okay. Uh, I think there's awareness. We need to keep talking. But as far as significant changes, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. That's good to know. And at least at least bringing things like that to the fore and talking about it to make sure that people have awareness about it and try and put a stop to it. Because it's no... Everybody wants to enjoy a movie or a TV show or something. And people that are working like you, that are hardworking doing your job, you shouldn't have to be subjected to abuse and harassment when you're just there trying to make a living. You know, you need to be... We all need to be professional at our place of work. And then if we're chilling, we're chilling and let those things be separated. So yeah, we'll keep talking about it. We'll make sure we push the message out there so that people know that, hey, this is wrong. And if you're caught, we're going to make sure that we blow it up so that you know that you never do such a thing again. But um, moving from that to the biggest challenge in your career. Now, I read a portion of your book where you did a makeup, I think it was for Lainey Kazan, I believe, and I think my son is gay. And... <laughs> There was a particular problem that led to you having a bit of a problem on set. So talk a little bit more about the ability for a makeup artist to be a problem solver, to think quickly on their feet, to solve problems, because things do happen, you know, while things are, while you're shooting and the production is going on. What's the importance of being able to quickly react and solve problems when you're, you're faced in a crisis mode like that? Well, Lainey, she, do you want me to talk about Lainey? So yeah, she, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> she wanted to look younger, <laughs> as we all do, right? So I devised this little bungee cord. Younger girls are not going to relate to this, but we took this little bungee cord and put it in the side of her face with tape, and then we put it underneath her hair in the back and then put a wig over it. And so it was just like a, it was just like a facelift. So it just stretched the face a little bit to make her look younger. So when we got to set, it worked for days and days and days. And then she was ready to roll. And one side of her face had gone down because the bungee cord had lifted. (laughs) And so she looked like she had had a stroke uh, how one face <laughs> higher than the other. And so I had to quickly go in and uh, remedy that, but also at the same time, let do it discreetly. So nobody knew what we had done to make her look so much younger. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Now, now what, what has been the most interesting thing you've ever done on a set? I have to go back to the story with uh, being the crime solver. Uh, when I had to, be undercover with this mm-hmm. whole sting operation yeah, and doing the blood and the bullets and making it look realistic and then being called out on the front page of the newspaper. So that was a little horrific for me. 
Because I was guaranteed not to. Yeah, anonymity. And yeah, absolutely. But that was one story of flying by the seat of your pants and doing some special effects makeup in a situation I'd never done before and working with a forensic scientist to make it look realistic enough based on the uh, gun that the informant or the snitch was using. So all this science based with makeup and making it realistic was probably one of my uh, shining moments, I suppose. Oh, cool. For lack of a better word. (laughs) Cool. Very cool. Now, um, I want to take you to the fun part of your job, which is things like going to award shows, Oscars, Emmy, and all that stuff. Now, when... I looked at um, the Oscars and the nominees for, you know, makeup and hairstyling, and you see all this, like, phenomenal work done. Is there competition amongst, you know, the top people in your field, and or is there collaboration? Because I know when it comes to things like Emmy or Oscar or whatnot, people are always like, okay, it seems like on TV everybody's friendly, but behind the scenes, we, we like, the lay people don't know what's going on. So in your field, are you guys more collaborative when you're working on a project or is that competition, but it's friendly competition or is it cutthroat competition? I think the confidence or the collaboration comes from women who are established, makeup artists who are established, men and women. So if you're established, you you want to share your talents. You want to share information. I do find a lot of competition in women who are trying to make it in the field and feel a little more guarded. But I love bringing on interns and I love to collaborate with other women or artists. So I think it just depends on the person. Now, when it comes to working with interns and young people trying to follow in your footsteps, so when you're mentoring somebody that's new to the field, you know, what are some of those baby steps you try to train the person early on? I try to train them on being present. And I I know younger people, there's so many distractions. And so I like to teach them how to just be present and listen and just show up, you know, you know, be on time, be early. (laughs) These are, seems like basic things, but I I find it hard to, to teach this like, uh, uh I do. So I want them just to show up, be early and be present and don't be distracted and just be good listeners. And why would you say being a good listener is important to your job? I think it's not about the artist. Like we're not we're not signing our name on the face, you know. It's not about it's not about the makeup, it's not about us. It's really important that the person that you're trying to serve is feeling good. And so you really need to listen to what it is they want. Don't just cookie cut everything and just do your own thing and, you know, make it about you as an artist. So I think that's really important. That's very interesting. Very interesting. And as we start to wind down the show, I have a couple wrapping up questions for you. My first question is looking, you know, at the broad spectrum of your career and the broad spectrum of the work that you've done, do you think there's anything you could have done differently to help you accelerate your journey towards success? That's a very good question. I've made a lot of mistakes for sure, but I wouldn't change that. But I think 
along the along the lines, I wish I would have gotten more information about different jobs or expectations. Not be afraid to ask questions. I think that's a, that's a big lesson here. When we watch movies, so I from when I was working in consulting, I worked on several TV shows to help calculate the residual payments for actors, you know, and actresses for TV shows that are in syndication. And it got me thinking that do you guys on the the back end, do you guys receive the same type of compensation too? Or is it pay for project or you also get residuals on the back end after things have been long gone? But it, because okay, you answer that because I have my own theory and thoughts for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've I, no, I've not been ever paid on a residual. Oh wow. You know, I know I know TV shows early on never got residuals either, but no, never a residual. And it's just based on project. Uh, it's based on the budget. So some budgets are higher and you get paid different tiers if it's a union project. So, and then commercials are different altogether. And so now could you talk a little bit more about, you know, what the, uh, oh, let's, let's not throw out like the salary, but more like, you know, what, what's the difference between a union project, non-union project, and, you know, how does one get it into this industry say, hey, you know what, I have bills to pay that are fixed for the next one year. But a movie, a movie or a TV show, you know, after the pilot, we don't know what's going to happen. How do I, you know, find gigs that I can work on that will at least help me pay my bills before I even think of like, oh, making that money and making it rain for myself? Yeah, it's good to have a side hustle when you're getting started. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but each job is different. So you just never you just never know. You can't really plan that this is what I need to make in one year and so I need to take these projects so I can get paid this. You don't know how many hours in a day you're going to get work, you know, how many hours in a day you're going to work. Uh, you don't know if it's going to be union or non-union. Uh, I've learned you just take every job as it comes along because it's feast or famine. So you have to save, save and hustle and be open and show up to whatever is going on. And then you'll learn. You'll learn what it is that works for you, what jobs will work for you. Uh, you'll build relationships with producers and directors, and then you'll get a feel for what you will make in one year. So it still boils down to relationship building and at least networking, like with every other job, right? Yes, it is, because you're working for yourself and you're not being hired as a crew member as a salaried position. Okay. You're an independent contractor. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Are there instances where, like your profession, the makeup artist, become a crew member? So take, for example, if you were working with Steven Spielberg, for example, and he says, everything I do, I want Trista on my movie or my production or, or my TV shows. Are there instances like that, that it happens like that? Sure, absolutely. And that's the best kind, that you, you, find, you find a working relationship with someone and you connect, and uh, uh, you they appreciate appreciate your work, and it just works. So that's that's the best. That's where you want to be. Find you know con, uh, find that working relationship. Um, yeah, that's that's stellar right there. Cool. Now, what prompted you to write the book? <laughs> I'd always kept a journal. So really? I always kept a journal from that first day on the, on the set. Actually, I w when I was interning, 
And um, I got my first solo gig. I had showed up to a job and it was my very first day. And I was nervous and I didn't want to get in front of the camera to do last looks. I didn't care if the actress had a shiny nose. I just wanted everybody to forget that I was there. And so in the nervous energy that I had, I was pacing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, waiting for my cue to do my thing. And when I heard last looks, I ran in mock four with my hair on fire. But unbeknownst to me, I had wrapped a power cord around my foot and I took down the whole set the camera, the flags, the lights, everything. And from that day forward, I knew I was on one heck of a roller coaster ride with my career. And so I kept a journal. And then uh, later I was at this poker tournament. I think we talked about it earlier, the World Series of Poker. And I had won my way there with Jimmy Woods. And that's in the book, that story. ESPN had interviewed me because... Uh, women poker players who win their way there in one year is such a novelty. Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> they said you should write a book. And so I did. Nice. Cool. Cool. So Trista, as we wind down the show, um, it's really been a pleasure learning more about you, the work you've done over the years, how you're serving your clients, and also how you're teaching the next generation of makeup artists coming behind you. But before I let you go, tell us, for somebody listening to this and thinking, oh, wow, I, I love the fact that Trista is working on TV and movies and commercials and music videos and even on political campaigns and whatnot. If I want to get into the business today, what are the first two or three steps I need to take to get into the business? I would connect with a production company and become a crew member. Just get into the industry because you want to know if it's before you do any educating or invest a lot of time, you want to make sure this is something that will fit with you or work with you. So get involved in with a photographer or with another makeup artist or with a production company and just become an intern and learn the business, be a student of the business, and then just make connections with people. And I would practice, practice what you would like to you know, practice what you see um, yourself doing. If you want to do makeup, then look at magazine articles or covers of the kind of makeup you want to do or YouTube, and then pull in your friends, pull in your family and do makeup on them. Just learn from those who are doing it and practice it yourself. And then just keep putting one little baby foot in front of the other and you will, you will get there. Take little baby steps. You'll get there. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. So, Trista, where can somebody, first of all, get your book? And secondly, where can people connect with you and reach out to you if they want to learn more about you and what you're doing or possibly even try to say, hey, I want you to be my mentor? <laughs> I would visit TristaJordan.com. And from there, you can learn all the things that I'm doing right now. I uh, just got started uh, administering a group called Connecting to Empower Women. And so there's some opportunities there. If you go to my website, tristajordan.com, and you can connect with me there. Cool. And where can we get your book? Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And again, if you go to my website, it will take you right there. Okay, cool. And I'll be sure to put that in the links 
when this um, episode is edited and ready to go live and share that with everyone. So, Trista, thanks a lot for coming to share your story and teach us more about um, the crazy world of Hollywood. I truly appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to do this today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the show, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And it tells me if I'm doing a good job or not and what type of guests to bring that can impart solid wisdom to help you grow on your entrepreneurial journey. Once again, you can always email me at info at odogwu.com. That's info at odogwu.com to let me know you know if you want a different type of guest or if you even want to be considered as a guest on the show so till next time guys have a great day stay bulletproof and of course i'll catch you on the next episode of the bulletproof entrepreneur podcast <laughs>